I'm going to go ahead and get Tracy Stewart to come on up right now while the fire is hot. I'm going to release it to her and her only and let her bring what God's got for her. She's got to get up early in the morning and go to preaching again in Auburn. So I'm going to turn it over to her right now. Right now, I'm going to need a podium. She needs it. They're coming. They're coming. We ain't got two strong guys in here. We got one strong woman. Apparently. Apparently. Wow. My goodness. How are you doing? Let me look at your eyes. That's what I used to say to my kids. Let me look at your eyes. You know, um, this afternoon, the ladies got together and um, fellowshiped, and then we came in, and um, I began to share um, on hopelessness, or rather than that, on reestablishing hope. I, I shared that I have a friend that just um, plummeted, and this is a person that never plummets has never in the history of her walk with God ever plummeted. I don't mean everyone dips, let's just say. Everyone gets discouraged, okay? But this person, I mean, I've seen her discouraged and then pull it right back up and keep going, but she plummeted. And um, it was so bad that it kept me awake the night after I put her on an airplane to send her home. And um, the Lord spoke to me. I, I, I wrestled all night. I was just carrying her. Some, sometimes, y'all, you need to stay up. And I, and I said, Lord, I'm not, I have never seen this on her, and I need to see, I need to know. It was, it, it was depression, not your clinical kind, but it was what the Lord said to me is she's, she's in hopelessness. And then he said, much of the church is in hopelessness and you're to break it off thank you again for your underwhelming response so you I don't know if y'all recorded that today it doesn't matter my notes are floating around you're welcome to them but um so that being said when I I said okay let's let's look at this now I will tell you so you'll know within three days after um I laid it down in prayer for three days. Over her, she came right back up. So, and she's 80 years old. She can out-preach and out-prophesy every man in this building. She outworks. She out-pastors. She's 80 and is pastoring. I mean pastoring full-time. Wow. Not like every, every now and then, okay? So that being said, I want you to know that she came back up because prayer works and God's good and and he doesn't want you staying there, okay? But the, the scripture that he led me off in is out of Job chapter 8, about around verse 11-ish, okay? I'm going to go into the middle of that right there. And it says, those who forget God have no hope. Now, if, now that's go look in the mirror, which is the word, and examine yourself. If you've get, gotten into hopelessness, depression, discouragement, it is because you took your eyes off of the lamb. Period. Now, 
See, but Tracy, you don't know what's happened to me. I, I get it. Every person in this room has something that happens, okay? None of us are exempt. But if you forget, those who forget God have no hope. On the converse of that, those that remember God ought to have more hope than anyone on the planet. And there's a force in hope. Hope is not psychological. Hope is actually theological. Okay? It's doctrine. There's a power in it. That being said, you can get the notes of that later on. So I, I delivered this word to our own church that week. Like I got dropped her off on Friday morning. On Sunday morning, I preached what you heard this, this morning. And as soon as I closed the notes in my own church... The Lord said, that was only chapter one. Chapter two. And before I, I mean, I, 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 I'm allowed this. I said to James, uh, I'm not finished. Can I do this again next week? I happen to be home. Can I do this again next week? He said, have at it. So chapter two. Okay. Chapter two. Are you ready? I'm trying to see if you are, but it doesn't matter. Okay. This is a spiritual law that I've studied from Genesis to Revelation. Okay? Anyone that's ever been used of God, any time God has used any human being for anything in the natural realm it was absolutely impossible for it to happen. Every single, I'm, I'm trying, if you can find one, I am very teachable and I love it when someone says, hey, I got this and just jet it to me. I want to see it. I, I don't mind someone saying you're not quite right. I'd rather them say that than leave me out here. But I've looked at the lives of people. You got a, a man that's nine to a hundred and an old woman that could not have a child when she was 16. That woman was absolutely barren, sterile. Okay? It's never going to happen, even if Abraham's okay. But then, see, God waits until, y'all, this is in the Bible. His body was as dead. Now, I don't need to take you to biology class to teach you what that means. We're not talking firing blanks, but you still have activity. Y'all, you get me? Is, am I all right? No, the gun be broke, man. Okay, For, there ain't no bullets. The gun broke. It can't happen. You need to take a clue from this because every one of you have something on your life that God is demanding out of you that you cannot do so that your sufficiency will not be of yourself, but it will be of him. You just need to know that's just how, that's his mode of operation. You got axe heads floating because you can't pay a debt. It's just totally weird. No, you got fish coughing up coins. You got a virgin. having a baby. Even, see, all those barren women that couldn't 
it, you understand, at least there was activity. But you got a virgin that's got to bring forth the Son of God. You can't get there from here so that your sufficiency will not be of yourself. All you've got to do is say, be it unto me according to your word. I am willing, God. I, I submit. I relinquish my rights to think it out. I'm just not going to preconceive how we're going to get this done or what it's actually going to really look like. So here's, here's the title. God always starts with impossible. In fact, he's not even going to start until it is. Thank you for your wonderful response. Do you know how impossible it is for you to be saved? You know, I know, and you and I know, they don't get it. See, self-righteous people think that it was actually possible for them to be saved. And God actually has a harder time with you getting you there than someone that's on their knees in a gutter of sin. It's actually much more possible for you than the one that's crying out, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. God always starts with impossible. And he's not playing mind games with you. Okay. Why? Okay. Y'all, you know my brain is just, okay. I, I have to ask the question. So you will know that he is God and you are not. So you will know that he is God and you are not. So I know if you've been reading the Bible as long as I have, um, and I love to study. It's my favorite thing. Um, okay, this is going to sound a little weird. I don't talk to dead people, okay? I just need to put that out before I say this. But there are certain people in the Bible that I, I identify with somehow, so much so, that I really feel like they're my friends. You know what I mean? James does that with these books that he has that are 100, 200-year-old books of past revivals. And he's read, he's had 4,000-plus books. He's read every single one of them several times. They're his friends. I'll ask James, what, you know, sometimes I can hear him. It's like 5 o'clock in the morning. I'll be stirring around. He'll, and I'll say, what are you doing? He goes, I just want to, I'm spending time with my friends. Are y'all okay with me? So this is a favorite. And what's so weird is every time I get happy over a scripture, it's my favorite too. <laughs> okay, that's must, I must be sanguine. So um, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. I'm real happy. <laughs> 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy, 
sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We'll starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. I'm talking this is not a good day. I mean, okay, not only do they have leprosy, which has put them in a colonized situation. Leprosy is contagious, but only lightly contagious. By the way, being that you're in in Alabama, listen to me, do not get an armadillo for a pet. There's been a resurgence of leprosy in the South because people find armadillos, and they're really nice critters, except between the layers of their armor, you know, the part that, okay, that bacteria that causes leprosy is there. Okay, it's fixable. You won't, you don't have to die unless you're just totally dumb and want to see your nose fall off. But, okay, so don't get an armadillo is what I'm trying to say. Now, but back in that day, there was such a terror because they didn't know how you got it. They, they had, they just, they didn't know. So if you had it, for the sake of the city, they had to force you out. So they are, they are ostracized, they are marginalized, their life doesn't count. On their best day, they are eating at the city dump. And that's a good day. Are y'all hearing me? So in this situation, they are, they're, they're leprous, they're sitting outside the city gate, notice that. The city is under siege which means they have stopped the food supply, plus there's a famine and a drought because of the weather. I mean, a bad day gets... Do you notice that usually... Now, this is me. Maybe you're different. That it's never just one problem. No, I'm serious. It's never just one one bad problem. It comes in clusters. That whatever that is, that attack, that it, it's, it's clustering on you. Let me give you an example. I, um, James and I um, are over at church, believe it or not, one more time, um, in Canada. When we, we took the 4th of July weekend to go up to them. It's not their 4th. It's ours. James is also a broker in an executive position now. And everything on the planet's being handed to him. It's just so... His influence is largely increasing in the city, but he has to get to this church. Their pastor died. The church is heartbroken, and there's a lot of other issues that they had to remove a Jezebel, throw mama from the train. Come on, I'm I'm your woman, and I did it, and we did it. So anyway, he's going to go up and um, take care of the church with me. And being that it's the 4th of July, it gave him a long weekend so he could be away from that secular office. We're going to drive home, and he thinks it's really shorter to go through Niagara Falls. But he doesn't remember because we don't even do holidays. We don't. We're always on is what I'm trying to say. So he doesn't realize it's Niagara Falls, and all the Americans have come over to the Canadian side. It took us four hours to get through the border. He's got to be at work at 8 o'clock in the morning. And it is late. 
We finally crawl through, so we're going to drive through the night. We, we show up at 8 in the morning. He gets in the shower, goes to work. I fall across the bed, not, not my head on the pillow. I fall face down across my bed. I am gone. I don't know when he left. I don't care. We've been driving all night. So I get up around 12 o'clock, and um, I'm, I'm trying to make my way to the coffee. And lo and behold, my coffee machine is broken. And I mean, this is not good. This, it's broken. And I'm, I'm frustrated trying to get this machine to work. Then I open my refrigerator because I'm going to have to go old school. I happen to have instant because we have hurricanes, but I do have gas. It wasn't that situation, but I knew I had some instant. But I got to get my heavy cream out. All right. I open my refrigerator and a stench from hell. My, my heavy cream had congealed. It was the refrigerator was burning hot. I pulled the freezer door, which is the lower one, and I had an entire deer in that. I had venison, man. I make the best chili on the planet. That venison is precious to me. And my whole deer had liquefied with chicken and, and some friend of mine who loves catfish had bought all, the, you know, caught all this catfish, had filleted it and skinned it for me. So there's venison and fish and chicken guts and it is literally liquefied. And when I pull it open, okay, the, the liquid just goes out onto the floor. I'm gagging. I'm gagging. My dogs are gagging. I'm serious. My dogs came into the kitchen. I have a 190-pound dog. His back is up to here on me. So he throws up as much as a grown man would. I'm just telling you. He threw up all over the kitchen. His sister threw up all over the kitchen. And, and then I realized it's hot. It, I, why is it so hot? And I, I don't do hot. I do not do hot. Like I... I want it down to 65 at night and the fan on in the wintertime, all right? So, God, and, you know, my hair sideways, and I look like it's not good. I'm gagging my dogs. I'm stepping through throw-up, and it's hot. I go to look at my air conditioner, and it won't come on, okay? My grandchildren come over, and they started throwing up. I walked into my bathroom. I haven't even gone to the bathroom. I'm just trying to find the coffee. Okay. I go to my bathroom, and my toilet bowl, this is a very old house, okay? It, it's kind of original with the house, had cracked, and a leak is leaked all over the floor. It's what I'm trying to tell you <laughs> is that it is never just one thing. Did you, have you ever noticed that? My house got hit by lightning. That's what I lost my air conditioner. I lost the refrigerator. My coffee machine, when you pull it um, down or get it ready and turn it on, it just pees. <laughs> it's a Keurig. It just pees. That's all it does. You can't get a, a thing in there, anything. It just. <laughs> and this is first world tribulation. 
Go third world with me. These men are dying of disease, dying of starvation, dying of depression. There's no way they're going to make it. And the truth is, when they said, why sit we here till we die, not one ounce of faith was in it. They said, what we'll do is a suicide walk. That's what there was. They weren't praying to God. They weren't looking for a direction. You have to see the gravity of it so you understand that God is nicer than church people. God is so nice. He's made promises to these people. Are you hearing me? So, so that's where they are when they say, why sit we here till we die? Let me give you a little bit of scripture, okay? Again. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in this city, we will starve if we go back there. Really bad day keeps getting worse. Tell you what we'll do. Okay? So we might as well go and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. At least we'll get to eat before we die. Not much to look forward to. If they kill us, we would have died anyway. So, you need to see this. There's four of them. And they... They huddled to come up with a suicide walk. They do not expect to live. You you need to hear this. But here's here's number one. When you are in trouble, you have to be so careful who you huddle with when everything is impossible. Because certain kinds of people, I notice it in the secular world and in the church world. In the church, all the people that love to gossip will find each other. And they huddle together. And everyone that's on fire for God, they find each other and they huddle together. Who you huddle with is going to make you and break you, especially in this day. In this day. When James and I were in Bible college... um, we taught a um, Wednesday night children's church so that we could spend time together. And mm, there was no time together, I promise you. And the, the, the deal why we did it was because he worked for the administration. And he knew that the four-year-old class could not get anyone to do it. Now, this is a church of 2,000. There's 49 four-year-olds. They get dropped off at um, 630 Everybody goes and does a home group, and they come back at 9. That's a long stint. Got it? So other Bible college students would volunteer, do it one time, and never go back. James thinks, hey, I'm going to get to spend time with Tracy. We'll teach Sunday school. Because you couldn't hold hands, and you couldn't date. Okay? So we get in there, and I'm telling you, I see, because 
I mean, I've never been even in a, I've never had parents or been in a family. I don't know how to do kids, okay? So we're just struggling to write their name on masking tape and put it on a, and a telephone number, you know? And we're just struggling. The, the, there's mayhem in the room, okay? And so finally, the last one's dropped off. The door closes, and I notice over in the corner, there's six little girls crying. I mean, hysterically. And James is getting everyone to sit down, and I'm kind of pulling through this crowd because I'm going to, honey, did someone um, hurt your feelings? Did someone hurt you? Tell me what's happening. And, and they are just hysterical. So I pulled one aside, and this is the first girl that ran to the girl, first girl that was crying, okay? And I said, tell me what happened. And she said, well, my friend was crying, so I ran. Can you hear me now? It's on. It's on. Okay. So she says, so I ran to her to help her. And because she was crying, I started crying. And then I pull off this other kid. And they said, I saw my two friends. And they were crying. So I ran to them to see what was happening to help them. And because they were crying, I started crying. And every one of them had the same story because you, who you hang out with, will affect you. You see, who you huddle with has got to be right now the most important thing in your life. If you huddle with the wrong people, you will not get into your destiny. If you're huddling with the right people, listen, you can huddle and not even know them. There are people, amen, who just went to heaven that kept me in ministry and he does not know my name, all right? I huddled with him over CDs and videos and and then DVDs. I, I huddled with him for years and his voice unlocked the potential of God in my life. You notice that people that have perverse spirits find each other. And it it seems, are are y'all hearing me? Pretty supernatural. People that have clean spirits find each other. Do you see this? If you are in trouble, you need to find the right person to huddle with. And they need to be further down the road in succeeding at what God called them to do than you. Now, I'm going to say this to you. It's not 
your pastor's job to follow you. Jesus said to Peter, come, follow me. You're the one that has to make the effort. Thank you for your, I mean, amen, praise God. No, I'm telling you, or next year, nothing in your life will have changed. No growth, no progress. I wrote this down. If you're angry, you find other angry people. If you're a man-hating woman, y'all know what I'm saying? I am woman. Watch me. I don't know what they do. Take your bra off or what and watch me roar. Okay. Whatever it is, you're going to find them. You don't have the right to be a man-hater. Well, you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. All that matters is what he did on that cross to set you free from that pain. Suck it up, buttercup. Now, here's the other problem with huddling with the right people. It's going to be contrary to everything your flesh wants to do. (laughs) I remember... Being in a lot of trouble, a lot of pain. Physical diagnosis that was terminal. And I walked up to one of my friends and he said, you counting it all, Joy, Tracy? I wanted to knock his teeth out. Now listen, self-pity will destroy you. Self-pity, I'm telling you, is a demon that'll sit and you can coddle it. Um, If you give in to self-pity when you're in trouble, you're going to find a lot of people that will stroke you and pour you and want to let you crown their shoulder and sit on their lap. You don't need to do that. You need someone to say, you're going to do what the Word says. I'm going to demand it of you. We're going to turn this around, but you're not going to win feeling sorry for yourself. Why sit we here till we die? Psalm 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. I love that translation and I love the phrase, stand around. Well, Tracy, I'm I'm not really gossiping. I'm just hanging around, okay? I'm telling you, you stand around it and it will infect you. It's contagious. It'll disease you. You know, I have a a relative that married the wrong woman. She's Christian. She's Baptist. And they are anti-spirit-filled, anti-supernatural. My relative was absolutely, completely wrecked by the person of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And she pulled him 
He huddled with a group called the Navigators. And they talked him out. They talked, they brainwashed him out of a supernatural inheritance. The pain of this is that he watched his own son die from a massive overdose of heroin at 31 years old while he's denying deliverance and denying that there's power in his name making somebody else happy he huddled with the wrong person and his kids paid for it we will lose a generation if we do not flow in the power of God the gospel is the power of God unto salvation any salvation you need it's the power Are y'all mad at me? I, well, it, it doesn't matter. If you're mad at me, you huddle. You need to quit huddling with yourself. <laughs> Hanging out with them. Standing around it. Don't tolerate it for a minute. Listen, but you know, we have to be in unity. Baloney! And I don't care how thin you slice it. It's baloney. Jesus said, I did not come. I did not come to bring peace to you. I came to bring a sword. I'm going to separate you from your mother and your father. If you love them more than you love me, then you're not of me. I did not come so you could sit comfortably in your family's old nasty pew that they paid for. What, what will my mama think? Now, I'm old so I can say it. Is the number one reason people will not walk in the destiny of God. What my family thinks, what my friends think, what my coworkers think, it, it is bogus before God and you have huddled with the wrong people. You're standing around. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 5. So, at twilight, they sent out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, I'll read the rest of it. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sound of a great army approaching. God drops surround sound Dolby system technicolor some, uh, right into the middle of them and the king they said okay this is what they said they huddled with each other this is the enemy they said the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us now they hadn't but because they huddled it magnified their fear they cried to one another, so they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. So here come the, the four diseased, depressed, dejected, malnourished lepers walking in with their hands up, saying, <laughs> suicide walking, we're here, please kill us. I'm serious. Not, they never prayed. 
here we are. Just make it quick through the heart. Hello? Here comes some camel walking across with a rope hanging from his halter, you know. Hello? Hello? Number two. Number one, be careful who you huddle with. Number two, ready? God is always working behind the scenes. On your, the day you're griping and complaining, the goodness of God anyway. You think you're going to die. And God, all that time, was working behind the scenes. His arm is not so short that he cannot save. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And for the rest of eternity, God has answered that. No, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. How many times have you almost gotten whiplash from how God pulled something off. And who would, y'all, out of the blue, out of the blue. I mean, out of the, I mean, just the most bizarre way of him making a way. Because he's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in my darkness. My God, that is who you are. That is who you are. He's always working. I bet if we stood up right now, we would hear the most bizarre stories. I could tell you stories. This drunk guy from the government, I don't know. He, he, was, he was not FBI, let me put it that way. We're in a storefront building. We can't pay our rent. James is depressed. He's over at this um, substation. It's a, a, a sandwich shop playing pinball in his flip-flops and blue jeans because he's depressed. He's 26 years old. We, we don't even own the chairs in the building that we've rented. Okay, So someone's come and picked those up. Our equipment is taped together with duct tape. And this guy comes in and he's kind of sloshed. And he's and James is sitting down now. He's ordered a pizza or something. And um, the guy comes over and puts down this big pitcher of beer and his glass, not for James, but his own glass. And they're going to bring him his food. And he goes, how, how are you doing? <laughs> and James says, well, I'm all right. He told James who the next president would be. It was Ronald Reagan. Okay. Uh, you just have to understand, it's not an impressive city. But it's the Middle East base for the entire nation where we live. So, and then he says, you know, God has sent you here. <laughs> A lost drunk guy <laughs> begins to prophesy to James. And I'm here to tell you not to give up and not to stop. And, and y'all... We had 15 people, and 12 of them were elders. That's a sick puppy. The Lord has told me to tell you. He's pouring this beer. James is like, what is happening? What is happening? I'm serious. Because he couldn't find a Christian. He would have, I'm sure he would have used a Christian. 
But a Christian will weigh you and measure you and assess you and find you wanting. And God, I'm telling you, lost people will have more compassion sometime. So, and so, and so, and and the Lord has sent me here, son, to tell you, you are going to make it. And then he reaches in his coat, actually in his coat, and he has this envelope full of $100 bills. And he pushes it over to him, drinks his beer, and leaves. In fact, James wasn't eating a pizza because he didn't have money for food. And they brought the guy's food, and they said it in front of James. James said, you can take the beer. I'm t- God, God is always, he's always working. It doesn't matter where your children are, how bad it looks. It doesn't matter what you're working in in the secular world. God is always working behind the scenes. He's always working. You're, you're saying, okay, you know, anyone that wants Jesus to come back is usually depressed. Okay. Oh, I just want Jesus to return. I'm just in intercession for the world. No, you're not. You're depressed. Okay. Armageddon, Armageddon, Armageddon out of here. Armageddon. Are y'all hearing me? We're not supposed to live depressed. We're the light of the world. We're the answer to millions of people's prayers. We're agents of the supernatural. I know you're looking in the mirror thinking, she ain't know who I am. That's, that's who God uses. We, it's us, we qualify. You know, not many wise, that's for sure. Not many uh, educated, not many high born. Well, here we are. He always starts with impossible. So, at this point, okay, let me give it to you. See if I can read it. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 8, the New Living Translation. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Think about that old-timey little rascal's story where Spanky has a dream that they've gotten into the... Beanstalk, okay? You get, and he's, he's, he's in that castle, and there's a giant, and he's stuffing this money in his clothes, and he's got those, you know, those big balloony pants, and all of his pants are full. And I, this is now, because God is working all the time behind the scenes, they walk in and they go from absolute desperation to the party. I mean, my God. Y'all, number three is the winner's DNA has always been in them. 
You were born again. You are partakers of the divine nature. You were not born again to lose. Jesus didn't die on that cross to watch you lose in life. You are more than a conqueror. It means you got enough conquer for you, your life, your family, your cheering, and enough left over for the neighbor to conquer too. More than a conqueror. That's number three. But number four, now you got to go to the picture. There, okay, the guy's boots are up on the table at the, the general's tent. He's got a crown half cocked on his head, a turkey leg in one hand, and a goblet in the other. I mean, my God, he's got money pouring out. They buried it. They are living in such richness, such richness. And suddenly, not until right here, do they become national heroes. This is, this is the shift. They stopped living for themselves. Let that marinate. Okay? They say, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9, A part. Finally, Finally, I believe this is where the church is. You know what I hear every weekend? You know, preach to me, Tracy, prophesy to me, Tracy, heal me, Tracy. You know, tell me, you know, prophet lie to me. It didn't even have to be the truth. I, just make me happy, Tracy. Me, 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 me. Me, me, me. I, it, it's inverted. It's, it's self-consumed. Finally. I mean, God has come down. Some people in this room have seen the Shekinah glory of God. Others have laid on the floor for hours under this divine heaviness and thought it was only three minutes. I mean, God has done some stuff. We were poor. We were broke. We had no hope in life. And God has turned it around. Finally... Turkey leg, goblet, crowned, feet on the table. Life is good. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. My, I love those words and the phrases that he uses. This is not right. This is a day of good news. I'm so glad they put that in there. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. It's wrong. I need, listen, anybody here last night? It's wrong to have that much of the goodness of God manifest to us and us to come back, want another service, and I'm not against services. I'm not against goosebumps. I'm not against God helping us. But there has to be a place where we say, finally, wait a minute. I'm at the party while the world is dying and going to hell. Hell enlarges itself every day, even tonight. 
while we sit in here. It's not right. It's not right for God to have delivered me, healed me, helped me. And now all I'm going to do is get together with church people. This is for the salvation of a nation. We're on the edge of a national revival. Cities, cities are going to fall to Christ. Cities. Heal me, Jesus. Touch me, Jesus. Give me a downline, Jesus. Really? And, 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 and here's the deal. All the healing, all the services, all the songs, all, all the glamour boys is not enough. You know it and I know it. But the day you see the face of a prostitute, when she realizes that she is clean, you're, there is a high, there's a satisfaction, there's, there is a joy. Uh, it, it's so indescribable. I really don't like church people. I don't. I'm sorry. Church people just want church. I want the lost. It's not right. So here's the deal. I think, what, what number am I on? Four. Okay, four. You're either at the party or you're in total desperation. Okay, to everyone in here that is at the party, I mean, we could, see, my head just starts going backwards on all the things God has done. I am not terminal, by the way. They still try to check me. Every three months, because that's how terminal I was. This never disappears. It goes somewhere else. But I am, are you hearing me? Okay. All the things that God has done. And then that's the big stuff. But there's these little, very personal, so personal that God knows, that I know he knows, but nobody else knew how certain things were so personal to me. And God did the very personal things. I walked through the house that I live in now. And we couldn't get it. <laughs> oh, so, so I wanted it so bad that I refused to look at it because it was impossible. Does that make sense? In fact, James showed me this, this film of this house that we live in. And I shut down the little video that was on the phone and I closed the door and went in my bedroom. So James cranks up the car and says, you know, because he's a realtor, let's go look at it. Well, I don't know why we're going to go look at it because we're not getting it. I'm the, I'm the leper. And James says, well, you know, God makes a way where there's no way. He's always working behind the scenes. Always. 
So we get in, and th that door opens, and that house swallowed me. And I forgot anyone else was there. My husband, my daughter-in-law, and four grandchildren. I went completely alone, and I could feel the hand of the Lord come around my shoulder and just start walking me. Okay. And when I went into the kitchen, my jaw dropped because I had seen that kitchen in a dream. And the Lord said, you know, Tracy, he's so my job. He's got me, you know. And, he, you know, when you're real close to someone, when they're talking to you, sometimes they'll, they'll kind of squeeze you while they're talking. He says, you know, Tracy, I know you a lot better than you think I do. I said out loud, there were people around. I didn't even know they were around. I said out loud, you sure do. And everyone said, what would you say? I said, you sure do. And I'm talking to God. In two days, we owned that house. In two days. Are you, in two days. Because God. Okay, so I'm at the party. Some of you are. Some of you aren't. And that kind of story would, might, might even put you in pain because you feel like you're the one that always gets overlooked. It never happens for you. Are you hearing me? But see, this is the responsibility. If you're at the party, it is, your it is not right for you to enjoy that party without taking it at least inside of our own family to those that aren't at the party. Your fault, my fault, their fault. It doesn't matter why. We need to walk it into their lives and say, you know what? You're going to huddle with me. Okay? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm taking you on. And I'm going to pray for you. You're going to talk to me. I've been where you've been. I know how you feel. And I'm telling you it is going to change. It is going to change. Now, those of you that are not at the party, you better put your finger in the back of someone's belt loop and shadow them in their walk with God. And they're going to tell you what you don't want to hear and you're not allowed to run away from the correction that you need. The good news is, God cannot be a respecter of people. So it's not because there's the big us and the little you or the, or the big them and the little us. There's no such thing. No such thing. It is not right. I know I t told you this, but i got to do it again. It just makes me happy to think about it. I'm in Mexico. I don't um, even know what's on TV. I don't okay, watch it when you're out of the country. Um, so, I mean, I have spoken <laughs> nine times, 12 times in three days. I am really tired. And... You get so tired that you're, and you just want to go home, okay? So I turn on the TV, and um, James and I use um, 
I don't know, Roku, Netflix, whatever. I don't, even know. I don't know which button to push. I don't know. Okay. But we'll, we will watch a series because it's clean and no commercials. And, and, and I knew about the series, but I'd never seen it, called The Last Ship. I saw the last episode of The Last Ship and had to research why that show, why that last episode was absolutely phenomenal. It was the gospel like I, I, I was lit on fire, as tired as I was. So the last ship is assigned to the Arctic Circle where all things Russian and Cold War and um, zones, international zones. And its, it's only assignment is nuclear protection. So they go into an area that there's no communication. Satellite, I don't know, something goes off. And so they have no communication, but no big deal. They're still on assignment. They're sticking with their assignment. They, in a certain amount of time, they're going to come out of that zone and go back. Well, on board are all these scientists, doctors, biologists, chemists that are there in the Arctic Circle doing all kinds of studies on plants and things. They get into a place where they can hear that while they've been in isolation, while they've been in a protected zone, one-third of the world's population has died from a, is it pandemic? Pandemic disease. And it is ravishing. It is unstoppable. There's no antidote, no cure. It's, it can't, it's, it, it's impossible. It's not going to ever happen. And because of who they have on board, they change their assignment, and it's their job to somehow, somewhere on the planet, find that cure. So I guess they go through a soap opera of all these, you know, personal events. And so this is the last show. I don't know how many seasons. I didn't look. Finally, the scientists on board, they've got it. They've got it. Everyone is inoculated. But the problem is, is how to get that cure to the people. Because if it's personal vaccination or inoculation, okay, there's not enough time before millions will die, before they can get it dispensed. So they think, we're going to take it, because if it's actually, it works in the air. We can drop it by helicopter over masses of cities, and when it drops, they'll, they'll be able to breathe it in and have the cure. Well, it just won't work. Not sure why, but it's a fail. It should have worked, but it's a fail. And then they discover somehow that everyone that has been inoculated is actually contagious with the cure. All they have to do is touch and speak. Huh, Y'all, you hear me? All you have to do is reach beyond your comfort zone and touch a life and speak life to them. And everyone that they touched was immediately healed. And as soon as they were healed, they could turn and touch and heal. 
And here's, here's the deal with this is not right. The cure is more powerful than the disease. The cure is more contagious than the disease. What we have is more contagious. The darkness has never overpowered the light. Never has and never will. And we act like, you know, there's books that have been written, you know, about angels hiding in the bushes from demons. Give God a break. <laughs> Give God a break. You have a very low opinion. We have so underestimated. And all we've done, here's why we are floundering. We have left the original gospel. You preach the original gospel, you will get the original results. And God doesn't care if you don't believe it. We're about to be appalled at the kinds of people that are going to be shifted and changed by the power of the gospel. You're not as loose as you think you are. You're not going to like it. You wouldn't save them. You need to just go ahead and let your brain stretch out there. Because there will be men walking in here wearing dresses that are going to walk out completely, totally set free. And, it, and I heard a, a girl that's come out of this say this. It's not from gay to straight. It's from lost to saved. I'm telling you the cure is more contagious than the disease. I, I know that you won't believe this because you think that there's such darkness and that all the, I've never met anyone that did not want to know Jesus. They just don't want your version of him. If you look in the New Testament and look at the multitudes, he almost suffocated. He had to get someone to back him out into the water so he could finish his sermon. Don't you think there's a few homosexuals in there? People that were into beastology, I'm trying to be gentle here, worship the goat God Pan had that kind of thing happening in the open public. That's who Jesus is preaching to when he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. In other words, there's not a sin you can sin that I, my blood cannot cleanse. It's not right. Anyone can walk on water with their eyes on Jesus. Anyone can do the impossible with their eyes on Jesus. Anyone can win the lost with their eyes on Jesus. Anyone can drive out devils with their eyes on Jesus.
Are you okay? I'm so happy. I don't know what to do. I, I, I could kick a hole in the wall of this building, right? I just, I, I'm telling you, y'all, I'm just, I'm telling you, I don't, I can't explain this. But we're, we're in the, thank God, thank God that we were born in this time. For millenniums, those that have believed and died believing, the word says they longed to live in the day that we're living. Jesus said, you're, you're, you're okay, guys. You believe because you have seen. But there's a generation that has never seen me, yet they believe. That's the blessed generation. I, you know... I got invited to a high school by this principal <laughs> who had these problem kids that I ended up with in a youth camp, okay, before Monday morning. So I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I locked the doors literally. They were witches and warlocks, big daggone deal, raised Worst of them were the ones raised in the Pentecostal Holiness Church that had this kind of immunity against the gospel. But there was these troublemakers and they'd all decided they were going to pull a coup and that they weren't going to listen to me and they were going to stand up and walk out. And God gave me insight. So we get in there and I've got a great Jesus rock and roll Jesus freak band, which kept them. And when they shut it down, I said, lock those doors. Nobody's getting out of here without the fire of the Holy Ghost. And projectile vomiting began. It was so much fun. God, it was awesome. Every single one of them, every single one of them, gave their life to Jesus. Every single one of them got filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single one of them got totally set free. So they go back to school. It's Monday morning. This is a Baptist principal. Come 9 o'clock, and I'm exhausted, okay? And thank God I'd had a cup of coffee because the phone rings. This woman says, my name is Stella Brown, and I am the principal of such and such school in Charleston, South Carolina. I want to know what you have done to my students. And I said, well, I'll tell you what happened. Now, I wish I could take credit for it, but nobody's got that kind of power on this earth. But what happened to them is they received Christ as their Savior. They were lit on fire by the flames of the Holy Spirit. And they were totally set free. And she got real quiet. She said, well, that's obvious. She said, I have seen something I never dreamed I could see. Especially this one girl. She said, Mrs. Stewart, this week is spirit week at our high school. And we have no plans for Friday. 
And I happened to have my youth group at that camp. So they were driving out devils. They were leading those people to Jesus. They were filled, getting the kids filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have no plans for Friday. And if you're willing, I want to take all of Friday. I want you to have all morning and all afternoon required in the gym for the entire high school to show up. And she said, I want you to do to the rest of them what you did to the few. And I said, Mrs. Brown, I would love to do it and I will do it, but you need to hear me. You're going to be fired. She said, I am willing to be fired to see this happen. I said, all right. And she said, and before you hang up, whatever you did to them, I want you to do it to me too. I'm, t I'm telling you, y'all, I'm not exaggerating one bit. I get my children, my youth group. I got them out of school. We came to Charleston and preached the gospel. There's a break for lunch. In the afternoon, we do it again. And, and the entire gymnasium came onto the floor and went face down. I, I'm telling you that kids got totally delivered absolutely saved and totally filled the Holy Spirit. Well, I've gone past the time being that I am me. And the other teacher, and, and Stella Brown is laying on her back on the floor with her hands lifted speaking in tongues. It is absolute mayhem. Absolute. Total mayhem. And the other teachers who were already spirit-filled, were over at the doors. The buses are there. The parents are there. The bell has rung, and they're holding the push bar up so nobody can get into the gymnasium. The parents have called the police. Finally, the doors come open, and all these people come flooding in, but there's this wailing, there's this weeping, Happening, are y'all hearing me? And they're finding their kids, they're on their knees and they begin to cry with their children as they're telling them, I've met the real Jesus. Y'all, see, and I asked the Lord, okay, I asked the Lord, I asked the Lord, listen to me. Did I get sophisticated here? So, you know, I have. But you know, I'm thinking, I don't give that invitation. They fired her. Oh, this was the best part. They fired her. It was so awesome. The, okay, they fired her. The band, the high school band, lines up on the sidewalk coming into the school, and they are playing hell to the chief while Stella Brown is walking up to pack her stuff. It was awesome. The kids, the kids in the most orderly, riotous way are beating the walls and stomping the floor, beating the walls stomping the floor, beating the walls and stomping the floor saying, give us Jesus, give us Jesus, give us Jesus. <laughs> Television showed up. They're filming the firing of Stella Brown. It's the papers. I'm on the news. And I'm thinking, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know, because you get blamed. 
and in dealing in some of this hopelessness with my friend, we think something's changed. Maybe season, you know, well, well yang, yang, blah, 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 with our expertise. And I said, Lord, what, what changed? He said, Tracy, the only thing that changed in you is your boldness. All right. All right. You didn't know this, but I'm going to tell you. I told the ladies earlier that I'm sitting in a coliseum with 10,000 people hearing about the possibility of a national revival. I'm oldish, white-haired, minimalized. You get minimalized. It's a really weird thing. Because if I colored my hair, I wouldn't be nearly as minimalized. I've learned that from secular people. It's just, I, I mean, you can't keep up with it. Two days later, there's a white streak coming, okay? So n- neither here nor there. But I'm sitting there hearing about America shall be saved. And I'm, I'm pleading with God, oh, that I would have another lifetime. I don't have enough time. God, that I would have another lifetime. I I need another lifetime because the window of grace is closing over my life. I I need another lifetime. Just this pleading. I was in tears, honestly. God, that I would somehow, somehow, if I had now what I had and I was 20 years old but knew now what I knew when I was 20. Oh, God. Oh, God, if I had another lifetime. And the Lord came over me. And said to me, Tracy, Samson, in all of his rebellion, laying his head in the lap of the world and the lap of sensuality and carnality and rebellion of the world, got more done his last day than he did for his entire lifetime. And he was in rebellion. How much more? would I do for you I can compress an entire lifetime of effect and power onto one day in your life don't just ask for one lifetime I can compress three lifetimes on one day of your life you can get done in one day Old Testament how much more because we have received the spirit of efficiency I'm not doing old. I'm just not, not going to do it. You can sit and be creaky all you want to. Because I know that the cure is more contagious than the disease. Well, how do you end that? So a brand new Christian school was born in one day. The entire student body got up and walked out with Stella. (laughs) They went to a church. In fact, the pastor watched what happened. There's a friend of mine in a church there, called her on the phone, and he said, I've got one gigantic building. The next day, She was back in business. Anybody want to play? 
It's Mount Carmel meltdown time. You know, Smith Wigglesworth would walk into a factory and the whole place would hit their knees. These, y'all, <laughs> if not you, then who? If not here, then where? And if not now, then when? Jesus said, say not. Don't you dare say that the harvest is six months from now. Today is the day of salvation. It's today. It's today. I don't know what to do. You're going to have to come help me. I, 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 I mean, I, I, only, I think if I try to pray... Anybody want to answer this call to impossibility? If you want to answer, stand up. If you want to answer it, stand. Now you understand that you're about to relinquish your rights. See, I've got grandchildren that have been born in other nations. I've spent years away from my husband my home, and my home church. Now, I, I want you to understand, not everybody can do that. But there's, you're going to have to relinquish. God wants to reorder your life. And when the reordering comes, you're going to be pulled to points where you're going to have to relinquish, and it is not going to feel good. And, 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 and here's the deal. All these women, single women, they got to be married. They got to need a man. They need a man. They got to get married. You're going to have to relinquish even what you think is your right to be married. Now, if God wants it, he'll do it. I don't know what this is going to look like on your life. And when you do, you need to hear this. You, you, I think we even sang something. Someone prayed something. Maybe I was just hearing it. You know, Lord, I want to know. I want to know you. I want to know you, Lord, and the power of your resurrection. And the fellowship of your suffering. And to identify with what you had to die to. You know what the fellowship of a suffering looks like if you're a pastor? Because I was complaining one day. About the people. And I said, God, these people sure don't love me as much as I love them. They have never loved me the way I love them. And he said, <laughs> he's, so, he's so cool. This must have been a Clint Eastwood day for Jesus. Tracy, well, I totally understand that because you have never loved me as much as I have loved you. You've never loved me, Tracy. You've never given to me the way I have given to you. And he said, this, and he was sweet, this, my friend, is called the fellowship of my suffering. We sang a song. I want to drink that cup. I was thinking, 
Oh, okay. I don't know if I want to say that. Can you drink this cup? You think so? I'm putting young men, young evangelists, on a mission field where they have to sign a piece of paper that they understand that they probably or might come home in a box. Can you drink this cup? Now, y'all look at me. God ain't called everybody to that, but everybody is going to die to something. He says, if you got a branch that's not bearing fruit, I'm going to cut you. And there's more good news. If you're bringing it home, man, you're bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. I'm going to cut you too. So you're pruned if you do and you're pruned if you don't. It would just be better if you're going to have some kind of pain in your life. It would be better to suffer the pain that you go through to obeying God than the pain of running your own agenda and living some lackluster, panty waste, milk toast, wimp Christian life. You're not going to avoid pain. I just don't want to die of boredom. Please don't write on my tombstone. She was nice. <laughs> so, Father, right now, we, we've given you our hearts. We've, Lord, we, we gave our life away. But, God, I know, talk to a young friend tonight, how you take us through processes. You peel the onion. You go deeper in layer after layer. And God, here's the deal. Everything we have died to, we ended up rejoicing that it wasn't in our life anymore. And it wasn't necessarily sin. It was just what we thought we wanted. God, we thank you for the prayers we prayed that you didn't answer. God, we thank you, Lord, because you have been working the whole time behind the scenes. And your word says, Father, that our eye hadn't seen it, our ear hadn't heard it. It hasn't dawned on our hearts the things that God has in store for those that love him. God, I don't care about a car. I don't care about a house. I don't care about money unless I get to give it away. But God, I want to see the kingdom of God enlarged. I want, to, I want to be an eyewitness of the enlarging of the kingdom of God. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want Satan to go to hell alone. I want the fame of the Son of God to go throughout the earth. And I, you know, God, I mean, it's, I just, I can only look at my own life. It's still impossible. And <laughs> now I'm old, so nobody's going to listen to me. <laughs> but it's a setup. I call every life in this room, I am prophesying, into a divine setup. You're going to be in the right place at the right time. You're going to feel the sinking of heaven come upon you. And you're going to be used as the mouth of God and the hand of God in the days to come. And you're not even going to realize it until it's finished what just happened. I thank you, Lord, that with the raising of hands, 
Like Isaiah, they said, they said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Now, now, I mean, you don't have to cry or anything or anything like that, but I don't know what to do. You know me. I don't care if we worship all night because I'm going to stay. Okay. I don't care if you, you dismiss. I'm not telling you what to do. But I do believe that sometimes there's a ceiling of something when you declare something. And the easiest way, thank God for music. In my life, my, the weapon of choice is worship. In my, it just is. That's the weapon of choice. I just feel like we need to seal it. And I need, every musician in the room knows I need a lot of help. I, need, I can't tell you what to sing. Except, I mean, it doesn't have to be a funeral dirge, even, to make you feel like you, you've died or something. Okay, but, but, but whatever it is, do what you do. And then I'm going to hand it to you, okay, Pastor? Am I okay with you? We just come back from our conference in Florida, and I didn't tell Tracy anything, nothing. And you know what I've been preaching against? Another Jesus. I've been preaching against the, these little idols you call Jesus in your pocket. I've been preaching against another Jesus. And what else? But she said we have. I said 2020 is the year that the remnant gets a hold to the concept of becoming a doulos, a bond slave. And, and that we would come co-bond slaves or sundulases. Everything you preach confirmed that. I didn't tell her nothing. We hadn't had time to talk. And I'm glad we hadn't had time to talk because you confirmed everything in these people's hearts that they heard at our conference and did a lot better. <laughs> Glory to God. How many of y'all got blessed tonight? I can tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm just grateful for everybody showing up to the Sons of Thunder conference. Uh, I love to have these kind. God has really touched us. He's met us. If you need prayer, you don't have to leave. We're going to dismiss you, but that don't mean you have to leave if you need prayer. We're going to have elders up here to pray for you.